0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. As I was praying, I felt the Lord spoke to me and said to remind all of us of who we are. And we all know the verse from from Peter, uh, where he said that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a peculiar people, a peculiar people. And so that word actually jumped out at me, and I just believe God wants to remind us that we are a peculiar people. We're supposed to be different, all right? So uh, we're supposed to be aliens. That's what the Bible uh, says we we are. We are from a different place. We are called out to show forth His praise. And that is who we are. And as we come to the Christmas season, I want to I, I, I want to remind us if there's nothing you remember from what I'm sharing t- today, remember this. We must be different to make a difference. Yeah. We must be different to make a difference. If we blend in, then you know uh, we have lost our saltiness. We are not shining as lights. Salt and light are different from the substance that they seek to influence. And so, church, as we've been talking about being missional, we must be different to make a difference. And I pray that as parents here, we will be different in the way we parent our children. We will not conform to the systems of this world. We will not be looking at what... Uh, what worldly wisdom tells us, but what biblical godly wisdom tells us. And so as I was thinking about being different, a character in the Bible just came to mind. And of course, his name is Caleb. His name is Caleb. So I want to read two passages of Scripture and then make some comments and maybe at the end just make some application uh, from our lives, alright? So let's turn to Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Now, there's no slide on the screen because... uh, it takes a lot to like, just keep switching back and forth. And so, and so I thought, well, it's our first time back in the live venue. Let's uh, simplify the experience. But which means you must also turn to your Bible, which is a good practice. Somebody say, amen. amen. A good practice. So I want to read first from Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. And then we'll turn to Joshua chapter 14. I've been thinking a lot about Caleb, and I'll tell you why in a moment's time. But this is what Numbers fourteen verse twenty-four says: "But my servant Caleb, God speaking here, because he has a different spirit in him, and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it." My servant Caleb has a different spirit; he's a baron. He's got a different spirit. And the Bible tells us that because he has a different spirit, he followed me fully. His descendants shall inherit the land. And I think that's our heart this morning as parents, right? So we have got one kid, three children, six, one on the way. It is our prayer that not only us who possess the promises, of the Lord, but our children, our descendants. Amen. We are are building a generational church at the city. Amen. And so, it's my prayer that as parents, if we choose to live by a different standard, if we have a different spirit, then our descendants shall inherit the promises of God. So, let's turn to Joshua chapter 14 now. I'll read a few verses, make some comments, and then we will end the service. Joshua 14, verses 6 to 15. And it says here, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, K- the Kedizite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea, concerning Joshua, you and me? I was 40 years old. Janice, I was 40 years old. Daniel, I'm 44. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as It was in my heart, but my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Underline that, all right? And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord. Underline that again, second time, right? And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said. these 45 years. So between the first verse we read in Numbers and Joshua, 45 years have passed. And, and God's testimony over Caleb was, because he wholly followed me. And 45 years have passed, and in his response, all right, as they were about to inherit the promised land, going on here in verse 10, and now the Lord has kept me alive. And just he said, these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, While Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now, give me this hill country. Some version says, Give me this mountain, of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with, and with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Verse 13, And the Lord blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Canazite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kariah Arba, and Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. So three, four times, the Bible tells us that God gave the land to Caleb because he wholly followed the Lord. What does this passage mean so much to me? I was just thinking about this because I'm in my 40s. Those of you who are in your 40s or about to enter into your 40s, all right. For 45 years, this was the testimony of Caleb. All right, I'm I mean, think about that, right? For 45 years, he was consistent. He the Bible says that he wholly followed the Lord his God. Amen. He wholly followed the Lord his God. And because of that, we read here that even after 45 years, he was older in age, but his faith did not waver. He was older in age, and yet he still wants to possess the promise. He has been waiting for this day. He has been wanting to go in to drive out the giants that his friends thought that they could not dispossess. But Caleb did not lose heart. He did not lose faith. He still believed after 45 years that he can dispossess the giants, which means all the parents here, If Jesus tarries, and if in 40 years, in 45 years time, when I'm 85, will I still have the same spirit that Caleb had? That I wholly followed the Lord, not just that, but I'll still be asking God for His promise for my life. Or will we just age out? (laughs) Or just become a little bit muted in our requests because we have grown wiser over time? Or oh, will we have the same spirit that Caleb had after 45 years? He still wants that mountain. Amen. Yeah. He still wants that mountain. And I pray that for all of us. And uh, together we're all parents here, right? In 45 years time, if the Lord tarries, we'll have grandchildren. And I really pray that after all, all these decades, we will be like Caleb that we will still be asking God for our mountain, still be dreaming that we can dispossess giants and still be doing great exploits for the kingdom of God and not just, K, Sarah, Sarah, you know, sit by the beach and just enjoying our retirement. I tell you this, friends, there is no retirement in the kingdom. There's only being, there's only retirement. Yeah, I was just hanging out with uh, David and Jade's parents, with Tim and Patsy. And of course, Tim had recently retired. Patsy is semi-retired. And I tell you, I'm so inspired because they are still dreaming about how they can make a difference yeah. to families in Singapore, and Asia Pacific. See, no one is too old to dream a great dream. No one is too old to ask God for a new mountain. And, and I pray, all right, do you know that we are all the older ones at the city? Yeah, we are the older ones. <laughs> all right, and my children, and those are, and soon, soon, just by natural birth, I mean, we will have a bigger kids' church than the number of adults, unless we start winning souls. <laughs> Amen. If not, just by childbirth, all of you just giving birth, we we'll have, we have, a, we have the next generation rising up. And I pray, and I really pray that all of us will carry that same spirit, the Caleb spirit, who refused to use his age as an excuse for not doing what God had asked him to do. Amen. Amen. He said, I'm as strong today. I'm as strong today. Amen. And uh, as Joy was briefing all of you, uh, and she quoted from Psalm 71. And I just want to turn there very quickly. You don't have to turn to it, but if, if you want, you, you can. Because this has been a live verse, and this has been something that burns in my spirit. And so when she said that, something came alive in my spirit again, and I'm being, being reminded of why I exist. And it says here, Psalm 71 and verse uh, verse 17. Oh God, from my youth, you have taught me. And I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and grey hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. You have taught me from my youth. A lot, a lot of us came to know God when we were younger. And today I believe you are still proclaiming your wondrous, His wondrous deeds. But when we are old and grey hair, God, let me continue to proclaim your might to another Generation. I, I want to just inspire that, that prophetic spirit into all of us, that all of us will keep in mind all right, our mandate to pass on the legacy of faith to our children and to our children's children. And to do that, we must have a different spirit. We must have a different spirit. So let me share with, with you what I feel and you know, some of the differences that we uh, must have. As uh, parents, as Christians in general, and I pray that this will shape our discipleship as we go along, right? We must practice an alternative way of life because the way of the kingdom, as all of us know, is often countercultural, yes? Yeah. And yet, it is Christ's alternative lifestyle that made him so attractive, yeah. right? Yeah. He was so attractive to the, you know, to, to the sinners. And even to the, to, to the Reformed Pharisees, if I can use that phrase, when he was walking the face of the earth, because he was so different. His difference, his alternative lifestyle made him so attractive. And so I want to share a few thoughts with, with you how we can be different. I just pen this down uh, as, a, as you know, I would say disparate, but I believe it, it will all make, make sense as uh, I bring it to a landing. I believe in, in our life, that direction is more important than speed. That direction is more important than speed. Caleb waited 45 years for him to possess his mountain. Right? Seems like a long time. But, but but the difference is this: his eyes have never left the land since he saw it. You must remember that he was a spy together with Joshua. They went in, and of course, 10 saw giants, but Caleb saw how rich the inheritance was. Yes? and his eyes have never, have, have never left the land. He may be wandering in the desert, but listen, his feet had always been pointing towards the promised land. took him a long time to possess it, which is why when they were about to enter in, he came to Joshua, who was the leader then, and said, remember Joshua, you and I were in that land together, and Moses promised me this land. See, his direction has not shifted. So direction is more important than speed. It may take a long time for us to possess the promise. The Bible says the vision, though it tarries, it shall come to pass. Yes, it is your vision that determines the direction of your life. And I learned this the hard way when I was riding a bike, going through the S-curve. Let, let me explain. All right, if you have learned how to ride a bike before, and I uh, would encourage you to do that uh, as part of your bonding with your wife. I did this with uh, joy together. And to go through an as an an S curve, I realized that where your I see, your bite follows. It is true. Where your I see, so you know when you when when I was trying to avoid the, that, that tree, right? Just imagine with me in your mind. When, when, when I was trying to avoid that tree, oftentimes you will look at the, the tree, right? And when I was trying to avoid the tree, by looking at that tree, guess where the bike goes? It goes straight into the tree! So my instructor taught me, no, this is not what you should do. You should look at the end of the course, Fix your eyes at the end of the course and for some reason, your hand and your body will guide the bike towards the end of the S course. And I said, are you serious? He says, yes. And so reluctantly, I tried and I made it through the S course. Not by fixing my eyes on the barrier on what I'm trying to avoid, but by fixing my eyes on the prize, hallelujah, on the, at the end of the escort. So friends, ultimately, I want to say this, it is the destination that matters. The process is important, but it is the destination that matters. Caleb ultimately possessed his mountain, hallelujah. Caleb ultimately possessed the promises of God. So it took him a long time, but because his, his eyes were set on the prize, I want to say this to all of us, Can I say that the destination is not heaven? Because we will get there. All right? If you have received Jesus Christ into your life and you seek to please Him for for the rest of your life, you will get there. Can I suggest to all of us that the destination is Jesus Christ? That as believers, we want to be united with Him, becoming one with Him. But more than that, we want to be conformed to Him. We want to become like Him. I said this to a few people recently, that what I live for is to be measured with Christ. Because I always imagine this when I'm standing at the judgment seat of Christ which is not a scary judgment because you know, Christ has redeemed my life, but it's a judgment of reward. And I believe I'll be rewarded by how much I look like Him. And I, 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 and, and I always have this picture in my mind that you know, I'll be placed next to my beloved, next to the Son of Man, and the Father or the Holy Spirit would be looking at how much I look like Him. Do your eyes look like Jesus? Okay, check. Does your hairstyle look like Jesus? Yes, check. Does uh, your nose look <laughs> like Jesus? And I want to look as much like Him as I can. He is my destination. He is my prize. He is my great reward. He is the one I want to be like. He's He's the one I want to be joy to. Amen? Yes. And so, you know, this whole circuit breaker time, I've been thinking a lot about Colossians. I, I think that... Uh, at uh, a wedding recently, I spoke from uh, Colossians chapter three, verse one to verse four. But basically, in that in that in that passage, the whole book of Colossians talked about Jesus being you know the being our super, uh, the supremacy of Christ, being the ultimate person, the ultimate reward. But in Colossians chapter three, verse one to verse four, okay, okay, let's just turn to it since you know, I, I talk about it. All right, no. Colossians chapter three. I'm coming to an end, so just stay with me for a while more, okay? And says if then you have been raised with Christ, and that's and that if is a reality for all of us here who are Christians. If then, which is hypothetical, so he's basically stating a fact here. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Direction matters. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. See, he's our goal. He's our reward. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above. Again, direction matters. Not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I want to encourage all of us this morning Right, that we have to let Christ be our passion and let Him be our preoccupation. Set your mind on Christ, set your mind on things above. Let Christ be your two piece, be the passion that beats in your heart, be the preoccupation in your mind. Think about Him, what pleases Him, and as parents, live and work for the audience of one. If you go down in that book you would read, Paul says to all parents and to the workers, to, to the servants, work all right, for the audience of one. That whatever you do, do it for the Lord. It's for the audience of one. I'm saying this because it's very easy for us as parents to live for our children. That is not God's will. Are you with me? God's God's will is not for us to live for our kids. God's will is for us to live for Him so our children can look at us and model after our lifestyle of living for the King and His kingdom. Amen. We tend to pay attention to the things and the people we love. And God and not our children must be our obsession. Put Him first. Seek His kingdom. We can't give what we do do not have because freely we receive, freely we give. So I wrote here, give your family a prophetic vision of what can be. Tell them what can be. Dream with them. We dream with our kids. Can we be a lighthouse in our neighbourhood? And in the last few weeks, last few months, I'm starting to see glimpses of that possibility. All right. For the first time after many many years of living in the estate, we spoke to our neighbor for more than fifteen minutes. You know, taking the same train, going to Tampani's Mall together, and the whole way we spoke, learned about the family, learned that she likes to take pictures of the birds that were like making noise outside of our house every morning, and you know, amazing. And then our neighbor jet has been going over to the house and play and we realized finally our vision of becoming a lighthouse in the neighborhood is a possibility joy recently because they're they're upgrading the lifts uh, in our estate so it's super noisy right but joy had the idea of buying drinks and some snacks for the workers who are building the lift and so she did that and of course people thought we're crazy but aren't we supposed to be peculiar Come on, it was supposed to be different, so we can make a difference. And then last night, I was just saying to Joy, maybe we can... And we saw some older folks, right? They were living in the the wheelchair, so Jack just said hi as a child, right? And the auntie said hi back, and I I said, what if we just have a dim sum session with all the old folks in our neighbourhood, in our house, because they can't go anywhere. So might as well come to our place and enjoy some dim sum. We must be different to make a difference. But give your family a prophetic vision of what we can be. Amen. One last, one last thought. And I feel as parents, we have to move along and to go beyond. And just hear me right. All right, I believe in rules. All right, but to go beyond rule-based discipleship, telling our kids, "You must do this because the Bible said so." Some of us grow up in environments like that, and we don't really appreciate it, because you know I believe in teaching them the, the word of God. Yes, I believe that they should know truth from the, script, the, the scripture, but as they age, as, as they grow older. I believe, as parents, teaching our children how to discern the voice of God and creating a safe environment for them to feel forward is my primary responsibility as a parent. Let me repeat myself. I believe teaching our children how to discern God's voice and creating a safe environment for them to fail is my primary responsibility as a parent. I believe the educator of tomorrow and I'll talk to MOE about it. <laughs> I think I said to Amy this before. Right? It's not to tell our children what to think because they could easily find that out all right, from there, we have to teach them how to think. They need to know how to think. And so, what's important for us as parents is to cultivate, and I coined this phrase, the practice of humble inquiry. And isn't that the heart of David in Psalm 24, where he where he says, One thing have I have said that I was sick, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and to inquire of the Lord in his temple. David had a curious mind who, who, who I, I think it was Christine who said that you really want the, the child to grow up being curious. David was curious. He was curious about how the kingdom functions, how things work, how the world was made. David was a curious person. That's why he was prophetic. And I believe that we should cultivate a humble inquiry. Teach our children. Teach our disciples. Teach the church. Humble inquiry. Humble inquiry. God, what do you think about this? Because there are a lot of things in, in life that you can't find Bible re- references. Can I smoke? There's no such word that says no smoking. All right. Can I have a tattoo? No, and I'm not against either, right? What I'm for is this. Ask God, God, what do you think? If I have a tattoo, if I... Tattoos my, my mom's name on my, on, on my arm. God, what do you think? You know, and the Lord may say, Sure, I'm, I'm serious. You know, God, what do you think if I have volume perm on my hair? And the Lord will say, I want you to look good and to be attractive to your wife. I mean, seriously, there's nothing like don't perm your hair, you know, don't wear skinny jeans. I mean, there's no such instruction. But the Bible makes provision for us to humbly inquire of the Lord. Amen? Amen? And that's how we teach them how to access the mind of God. Can you just remember that the Bible is just a small fraction of the mind of God. Are you with me? Of course, God will not go against what He has written, but His wisdom, His revelation, His his understanding, the depth of His thinking is way more than these pages that we read every single day, amen? Which is why the Bible says in Isaiah that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, His ways are higher uh, higher than our ways. And as parents, we want to always remind our kids, you have access the mind of Christ. You have access to the mind of God and you do that by asking Him what do you think? Should I beat my son? Uh, beat, beat my mama? What do you think God? Of course not! Honor your father and your mother. Should I love my sibling? Of course! You know, teach your children to humbly inquire of the Lord and, and then he, they will start asking Him deeper things. Alright? F- more existential questions, philosophical questions as they grow older amen amen that's right train our children to inquire on matters big and small big and small and i know some of you have been doing that and i and this was actually actually inspired by some of your examples i'm super blessed when parents do that you know and when you involve your children god what do you think you know that is thinking of that is thinking of changing job will you pray and ask God what, you th- what does God think? I mean, you involve, And there's no junior Holy Spirit, as I said so many times. They have access to the same mind that you and I have, the same voice that you and I have. Amen, amen, amen. My final point, alright? And we'll go back into worship. <laughs> I was trying to get the bed on stage. There was no bed. <laughs> My final point is this. As parents, as Christians... For us to be different, we must focus on progress, not perfection. We must focus on on focus, focus on growth and not results. Do you, do you know why? Even in, in, in our parenting, but also for ourselves. Sometimes we're so hard on ourselves and we're so hard on our kids because they are not performing. They are not producing the results we want them to produce. But I'm reminded of this one thing. We have different starting points. Alright, some of us have got more opportunity than other people. Some of you, you grew up in environments where so empowering. You have a head start than some of us, you know, who grew up in different environments. So we have different starting starting points. So, you know, so if if you focus on perfection, on results, sometimes you'll be disappointed. Alright, so focus on the progress. We have different starting points, but the finishing line is the same. And what we want is to bring our kids, what we want as Caleb is to make sure that our descendants inherit the promises of God. Amen. And sometimes we will fail. Sometimes we will stumble. Demonstrate that with our own life. That it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to fail. Show them that God is consistently perfect. But we are not, <laughs> I am not, and this circuit breaker season uh, this whole lockdown you know a lot of my a lot of my weaknesses became very apparent to my children, my wife too, right? <laughs> we will always fall short, don't be hard on yourselves, but be quick to repent and learn and you know there were at least two three times over this circuit breaker that you know that that I think i I blew it you know there was one one time I lost my cool with uh, one of my children and I went into the room and of course you when know, I came out, I felt like a failure. I felt like, wow, you are a you are you're a pastor, you are supposed to be a spiritual person, you are supposed to be meek and Christ-like and you are supposed to reflect Him. Why do you even do that? You were screaming at the top of your voice and you were like throwing things around the room and, and my daughter will actually tell you that I pushed her around even though I don't think so but she said I was doing that and I walked out of that room feeling like a complete failure. I was sitting there and you know I was just crying. And you know, my kids were like looking at me, and I was quick to repent. The same night I, you know, dropped one of the kids' attacks, and I said, That is not perfect. I failed you. I shouldn't have done that, even though I'm still upset with what you said. You know, so it's okay to you know, and, and I fell forward. And I really feel that. In times like that we became closer because they knew they knew that their father even their mother were imperfect and they knew that because we're imperfect you know we are as human as they are they can be imperfect at the same time they know that god's perfect why because of god in my life i can be quick to repent quick to learn because i've got god as my anchor And I will not allow any offence to to linger on and I'll be quick to reconcile. Because God is consistently good. He's consistently perfect. He's the perfect father. I'm not. And by showing them my vulnerability and my weakness and my limitation as a dad, as a mother, as Christians, as spiritual leaders, as pastors, it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to make mistakes in your work. And of course, be quick to learn. Yes, and then as I close, I wrote this this morning. I've never parented a 19 years old before. <laughs> my son turns 19 in a few weeks' time. Never parented a 19 years old, but I've parented an 18 years old through the school of hard knocks, <laughs> and my experience in parenting my 18 years old, right, will help me and prepare me to parent my 19 years old. I've never parented a 24 years old. I've never been a grandparent be- b- before. But we're always learning. We're always progressing. Are you with me? Some of you have never parented a one-year-old before, a two-year-old before. And so don't be too hard on yourself when you did not perform according to what the experts say. And that's where the church is at. We need, we need one another, yes? So let me sum up everything that that I've said, we must be different. We, We are called to be a peculiar people. God has called us out to show forth His praise and the way for us to bring Him praise is for us to be different. And Caleb has a different spirit but his eyes were on the promises. Direction is more important than speed. Hearing God's voice is more important than just enforcing rules and focus on progress. Because after 45 years, when all those who were in the desert had perished, Caleb stood on top of that mountain, Hebron. He inherited the land. Amen? He inherited the promises. And I pray that at the end of my life, at 85 years old, I'll still be crying out to God from the mountain. I'll still be saying to my children, I may be older, my hair may be whiter, but I still have the same strength in me. To war and in my coming in and in my going out, amen. Let's think long term, amen. I let's uh, let me pray and then we'll go back into worship. All right, shall we stand? Let's let's just stand. I've not done this for a long time. Can I can get people to stand? <laughs> stand. Amen. And where you are, if in your living room, in your bedroom, and just as a point of contact, you can either stand or if you want to, lift your hand, put your hand on, on your heart. But I believe this is a prophetic encouragement to all of us as we end this year. Amen. Your direction matters. Are your eyes set on the prize? Is Jesus Christ your ultimate reward? Is He your obsession? Is He your preoccupation. You see the passion of your heart. So Father, we come to you. We thank you for this very special day. Thank you, God, that we can gather as a family of God, as the city, Lord, to rejoice over every child that was dedicated. Lord, to feel the breath of our praise, God, even though it's in our hearts, one another. And Father, we pray today, God, that you will make us a peculiar people. Give us a different spirit. Lord, well, help us demonstrate to the world that Christ is attractive, not because He conform, but because He acted contrary to the system of this world. Father, we love You. We honor You. I bless everyone who's listening. I pray, God, that, Lord, You will touch them where they are. We love You. We honor You in Jesus' name. Amen.